This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Today's podcast is a reading of Fitcher's Bird, collected by the Brothers Grimm. It's a folktale that runs just eight minutes. It's read by Julie Davis, and we will be discussing it afterwards. Fitcher's Bird There was once a wizard who used to take the form of a poor man and went to houses and begged and caught pretty girls. No one knew whither he carried them, for they were never seen more. One day he appeared before the door of a man who had three pretty daughters. He looked like a poor, weak beggar, and carried a basket on his back as if he meant to collect in it whatever might be given him in charity. He begged for a little food, and when the eldest daughter came out and was just giving him a piece of bread, he did but touch her and she was forced to jump into his basket. Thereupon he hurried away with long strides and carried her away into a dark forest to his house, which stood in the midst of it. Everything in the house was magnificent. He gave her whatsoever she could possibly desire and said, My darling, thou wilt certainly be happy with me, for thou hast everything thy heart can wish for. This lasted a few days, And then he said, I must journey forth and leave thee alone for a short time. There are the keys of the house. Thou mayst go everywhere and look at everything, except into one room which this little key here opens, and there I forbid thee to go on pain of death. He also gave her an egg and said, Preserve this egg carefully for me, and carry it continually about with thee, for a great misfortune would arise from the loss of it. She took the keys and the egg and promised to obey him in everything. When he was gone, she went all round the house from the bottom to the top and examined everything. The rooms shone with silver and gold, and she thought she had never seen such great splendor. At length, she came to the forbidden door. She wished to pass it by, but curiosity let her have no rest. She examined the key. It looked just like any other. She put it in the keyhole and turned it a little, and the door sprang open. But what did she see when she went in? A great bloody basin stood in the middle of the room, and therein lay human beings, dead and hewn to pieces, and hard by was a block of wood and a gleaming axe lay upon it. She was so terribly alarmed that the egg which she held in her hand fell into the basin. She got it out and washed the blood off, but in vain. It appeared again in a moment. She washed and scrubbed, but she could not get the stain out. It was not long before the man came back from his journey, and the first things which he asked for were the key and the egg. She gave them to him, but she trembled as she did so, and he saw at once by the red spots that she had been in the bloody chamber. Since thou hast gone into the room against my will, said he, thou shalt go back into it against thine own. Thy life is ended. He threw her down, dragged her there by her hair, cut her head off on the block, and chopped her in pieces so that her blood ran on the ground. Then he threw her into the basin with the rest. Now I will fetch myself the second said the wizard, and again he went to the house in the shape of a poor man and begged. Then the second daughter brought him a piece of bread. He caught her like the first by simply touching her and carried her away. She did not fare better than her sister. She allowed herself to be led away by her curiosity, opened the door of the bloody chamber, looked in, and had to atone for it with her life on the wizard's return. Then he went and brought the third sister, but she was clever and crafty. When he had given her the keys and the egg and had left her, she first put the egg away with great care, and then she examined the house, and at last went into the forbidden room. Alas, what did she behold? Both her sisters lay there in the basin, cruelly murdered and cut in pieces. 
but she began to gather their limbs together and put them in order, head, body, arms, and legs. And when nothing further was wanting, the limbs began to move and join themselves together, and both the maidens opened their eyes and were alive once more. Then they rejoiced and kissed and caressed each other. On his arrival, the man at once demanded the keys and the egg, and as he could perceive no trace of any blood on it, he said, Thou hast stood the test, thou shalt be my bride. He now had no longer any power over her, and was forced to do whatsoever she desired. Oh, very well, said she. Thou shalt first take a basketful of gold to my father and mother, and carry it thyself on thy back. In the meantime, I will prepare for the wedding. Then she ran to her sisters, whom she had hidden in a little chamber, and said, The moment has come when I can save you. The wretch himself shall carry you home again. But as soon as you are at home, send help to me. She put both of them in a basket, and covered them quite over with gold, so that nothing of them was to be seen. Then she called in the wizard, and said to him, Now carry the basket away, but I shall look through my little window, and watch to see if thou stoppest on the way to stand or rest. The wizard raised the basket on his back and went away with it, but it weighed him down so heavily that the perspiration streamed from his face. Then he sat down and wanted to rest a while, but immediately one of the girls in the basket cried, I am looking through my little window, and I see that thou art resting. Wilt thou go on at once? He thought his bride was calling to him and got on his legs again. Once more he was going to sit down, but instantly she cried, I am looking through my little window, and I see that thou art resting. Wilt thou go on again directly? And whenever he stood still, she cried this, and then he was forced to go on until at last, groaning and out of breath, he took the basket with the gold and the two maidens into their parents' house. At home, meanwhile, the bride prepared the marriage feast and sent invitations to the friends of the wizard. Then she took a skull with grinning teeth, put some ornaments on it, and a wreath of flowers, carried it upstairs to the garret window, and let it look out from thence. When all was ready, she got into a barrel of honey, and then cut the feather bed open and rolled herself in it, until she looked like a wonderful bird and no one could recognize her. Then she went out of the house, and on her way she met some of the wedding guests, who asked, O Fitcher's bird, how comest thou here? I come from Fitcher's house quite near. And what may the young bride be doing? From cellar to garret she swept all clean, and now from the window she's peeping, I ween. At last she met the bridegroom, who was coming slowly back. He, like the others, asked, O oh, Fitcher's bird, how comest thou here? I come from Fitcher's house quite near. And what may the young bride be doing? From cellar to garret she swept all clean, and now from the window she's peeping, I ween. The bridegroom looked up, saw the decked-out skull, thought it was his bride, and nodded to her, greeting her kindly. But when he and his guests had all gone into the house, the brothers and kinsmen of the bride who had been sent to rescue her arrived. They locked all the doors of the house that no one might escape, set fire to it, and the wizard and all his crew were burned to death. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Julie from A Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Hi, I'm Misa. We're going to talk about Fitcher's Bird, a rather unusual uh, <laughs> Brothers Grimm story. Uh, folk tale or fairy tale. Um, no fairies. Uh, no, uh, lots of folk. <laughs> um, there is a wizard magic. or sorcerer, right? Mm-hmm. And his magical power seems to to make people want to fall in love with a beggar. Um, and then <laughs> turns out he's not a beggar. He's kind of now that I think about it, he's kind of a male version of the witch from from Hansel and Gretel, isn't he? Yes, he is. He's oh, got a I guess house so. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. That belies his uh, status as a beggar. Mm-hmm. He's got gold and many rooms and um and it's interesting. Um, 
as a witch, her desire, I, I think, is probably to live to live forever. What is his desire? To control women, maybe. As absolutely as possible. Yeah. 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 There, so. There's something weird, though, about in this story. Uh, when So I was thinking about, like, wh- if we look at it from the girl's perspective, from the sister's perspective, the third sister's perspective... Um, mm-hmm. She's the clever one. She's the the cleverer than her sisters. Although she had the benefit of noticing that her sisters get bewitched every time a beggar comes to the door and never seen again. And when she does find them, she can put them back together. She seems to have a magical power. Mm-hmm. Uh, they come back. Their body parts are all rearranged back together, and and then uh, she uh, comes up with the plan to load them in the backpack full of. Uh, gold and and then the the other sisters have their chance to uh, contribute to the their own uh, revenge, which is you know saying I can see you uh, from my window and you have to keep walking, get back up on your legs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that once the sister, the powerful third sister, mm-hmm. sees what's going on and kind of solves the puzzle, she's got the power. Yeah, she has she a magical says, power. And I thought, I've never, I don't remember hearing of a fairy tale like that mm-hmm. before in this way. It has yeah. the same um, magical spells by um, by rhyme, right? Mm-hmm. As the previous one. Uh, with a, with a, Again, with the girl who can control the duck. In this case, the girl becomes a duck. <laughs> sort <laughs> something, of. Something very Ducks strange. are very desirable. Apparently, it's the quacking, and they they, they lay <laughs> eggs too. There's something very, I mean, well, duck reason, eggs are delicious. I will uh, say, uh, there's a reason I wanted to do this one second is because I I really don't know what to make of a lot of it. There, there's a lot of stuff I really like in it, but mm-hmm. it's it's bizarre. It's a, so bizarre as a and and I love how gruesome it is too. Um, <laughs> it's- Yes, there's, a, there's a, a bathtub full of cut up body parts that he, the girl goes in and the first girl, the first time the the first sister goes in there, it's already full of body parts, right? Yes, yes. And then the second time the second sister goes in, there's all those body parts, plus her sister's body parts. So mm-hmm. you can understand why they drop the eggs the first and the second time. The third time... <laughs> The dropping of the egg is uh, not happening because the girl says, I'm not following his instructions. Yeah, just because she said this. Him, right? right? <laughs> she was, I was like, oh, how clever. She didn't do what he told her. Right. <laughs> like, oh, and then well, when, so when he sees the evidence that she hasn't betrayed him, which is kind of very interesting, I think, um, the, the, he seems to be testing women to see mm-hmm. if they're they will be faithful or something? Is that what it is? That's how I felt. It's just, yeah. I thought it was more like if you will do everything I say. Really. He said if you but, if you have this I will give you this key to my whole house and this egg and as long as you do everything I say you can have have the house. Yeah, but as soon as he does find out that she's been faithful even though that's false, right? Um, mm-hmm. he actually says that she now has all the power and whether yeah. she does or not, she seems to have a lot of power. Um, yeah. so there's, it, there's, yeah. it's almost like, it's almost it's like trust. this trust, but yeah, but that, she tricked him. But case, if, 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 if she didn't go in, like if for him, his plan to have worked, she would not have gone in the room and he would have had the power. She only has the power cause she tricked him. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very interesting because, uh, think about you know I think about the it's a Garden the, of Eden situation. Interesting, but, interesting. But the You're way right. that I, I'm just now occurring to me, I'm like it's like yeah. somebody told the Garden of Eden in the way they wanted it to go. Right. You know. That's um, well because I'm just thinking it's the whole thing of trust. Do you trust me enough now? Why they would trust him ever since he put them in his backpack or whatever it was and stole them away. That's um, very interesting. In so, the first place, uh, but. If you trust me, then I will give you all my trust in this story, yeah. and you may absolutely I will absolutely trust you and do what you say because you've proven that you know you've given yourself to me. I assume. Well, he- here's how I thought. 
um, he has the keys and the egg, and she says so he gives her the keys and the eggs, and he says, "You, I promise to promise to obey me in everything." So keys are like your house; it's a cage, a cage. Mm. Keys to the cage. Mm-hmm. Egg is a future; it's your future. Ah. So if you promise to obey me in everything, she's already dead. She's already lost. Like if she had followed through, she she's already got no freedom. She she can't think for herself. She might as well be cut up in the basket. So. Right. Right. But then when he gives her the power. But but that's because she lied. Mm-hmm. But if she hadn't, say she, she did had, what he said. And so he believed and her. And then she still has, she's still under his power. I don't know if that's true. I, it's very interesting. I want to I wanna go back before we answer that question. I want to go back to something, Julie. You, you pointed out the Garden of Eden situation. And I actually needed to bring this up earlier. Um, not the Garden of Eden part, but... You, uh, Julie, you weren't on our show on Protector, the uh, Larry Niven novel, right? Oh, no. <laughs> but, um, uh, Micey, you were, and do you remember there's a line that connects this? Um, uh, this is, Fitcher's Bird is a variation of another uh, very famous um, right. grim fairy tale called Bluebeard. Mm-hmm. And do you remember in, in Protector, uh, they go to a sort of a made-up garden world? Right, it's a torus shaped, shaped yes. like a donut. And at one point, the protector says, um, "Tell her the bluebeard myth." Oh yeah. Which is about a it has the same situation in that there's a a room that you may not go into, and if you do go into, you will be punished. Right. Yeah, I was wondering. So this stuff was so familiar, and I wasn't right. sure why. I knew I'd heard it somewhere. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. so this idea of a a forbidden room that he gives her the key to—it's mm-hmm. a test, right? It's a test, mm-hmm. right? And the egg that she's supposed to carry around—I I believe this is a really stupid thing that they teach at school. They give kids oh, an egg days. to take care of. These they have days. to take it everywhere with them, right? Yeah. You yeah, know this do. story? Mm-hmm. Um, what is this a Bluebeard test from your? Well, see, I, me, it, I never had that test. But if I was if I was doing it, I would have. I would not submit. I would either get a fake egg and swap it out and bounce it around the hallways, <laughs> and keep the other one in in the locker. Or I would say, "Oops!" as soon as I was handed handed it, because I do not like authority telling me what to do. And I, and I think that's what it, that's the, the, I think that's what the story is about because yeah. when, when you go in there the and she finds a, a, all those bodies in the basket that means the majority of people will go in end up caught up in the basket because they will not everybody right? everybody because, because only like the, the only people he brings in are, are potential wives it seems yeah because right? he's still looking for a wife so. a wife that will who who will defy him. With, like what? No, wife who will, who will obey, obey him, obey, him. Yeah. obey, him. obey. And, or trust, and he has, obey yeah. slash trust, because I think it's both things. And that's you're right. It's the authority figure, and I, I would say the flaw to me with this story, thinking about it this way, is, I mean, I know he's going. Everything was magnificent. He gave her whatever, whatsoever she could possibly desire, and then, um, then he does that for a few days. Then he goes. Now I have to go away. So mm. I can I trust you? Here we go. And so he's – the problem is is that he's taken her away from her family without her consent. That's yeah. a lot um, And that – well, there, there's a lot of problems. But from the story point of view in terms of him feeling like he's justified in killing the people who don't trust him, it's because he didn't start off with any kind of mutual trust if we're going to go deep on it. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they don't trust him, and, of course, they're curious. Now, the way the story is told, it's like, oh, those curious ladies, they just can't be happy with all this amazing stuff. They have to look behind the door. Well, yeah, but he, he bewitched her to, in the first place. Oh, I'm not saying. Like I said, he betrayed kind of trust Pandora's by not having it in the first too, place. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say the Brothers Grimm are not, from what I could find, um, Bluebeard was actually a French folktale that was written down originally by Char- Charles Perrault mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in 1697. So that predates the Grimm brothers. So Bluebeard would have been picked up through, if it's in their, which it, I don't know. You said it was, so I believe you. Um uh, but this story, Fitcher's Bird... No, no, I, 
I didn't say it was it's, in Brothers Grimm. I saying it's a variation of the same story. Oh, right, I thought you said that it's also a Grimm's fairy tale. No, um, there's a the robber bridegroom is another variation. Another one amazing the white, one. That's the, white the most dove, horrible right? story ever. You, you, you know what else this reminded me of? Not like it's not gruesome in any way like that. But but in Beauty and the Beast, there's also the room. Like she's also in this big opulent um, right. place, and and you cannot go into that room where the where the flower Very is. Interesting. Right. And uh, but in that one, the transformation is is for the better. She she it's it's right. a, it's also a transformation story, but on the on the white side instead of the black side. Right. Hmm. Right. She's the one coming into the household, but she's the one who's bringing what's needed for everybody's good. Mm-hmm. And it's a mutual. It's it's his transformation, but it's for their mutual benefit. Yeah. So the, let's talk about the ending of this story because I think it's amazing. I love it. Um, it also, I, I love, there's another, I think there's another variation. It's not as good, but the title's better, uh, <laughs> uh, in the, in, I think that's actually in the Brothers Grimm. Um, and that one's called the Castle of Murder, um, which I think is a pretty great <laughs> title for anything. And when I did the illustration for my, just, you know, I'm waiting for the students to finish their assignment. I'm drawing it like there's the castle and this, you know, out from every window, it looks like a flag, but actually it's blood, you know, like (laughs) the idea that, and we see that in this story with the, with the garret window with a a skull in it, right? Yeah. It's been decked out, literally decked out with flowers (laughs) and a wreath and ornaments, like She's putting like some diamonds in the eyes, <laughs> some I don't know flowers in the hair for the hair. It's like what the gruesome yeah. monster kind of story is this? But she did just see a. I can see where she got the skull from. You know, there's yeah. a, a charnel house in one of those rooms, um, and then I guess those those are the sisters she didn't put back together that weren't hers, right? Um, she's got this skull up there, and then at the end. I want to read the last sentence here of one of the versions, uh, one of the translations. They locked all the doors of the house that no one might escape, set fire to it, and the wizard and all his crew were burned to death. It, mm-hmm. I think in the version that you read, Julie, it, it says all his people or something like that. No, it was... Was, was it crew? I, I, I read it from your PDF, so I'm if not I sure people, I've got the I misread same it. one. <laughs> I, I have it here. Yeah. It says they locked all the doors of the house that no one might escape, set fire to it, and the yeah, the wizard and all his crew. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Crew, yeah. If I said people, then I misspoke and I no, need to report it. I think you read it correctly. I just think I might have a different. I might have sent you a different version than the one I printed out. In any case, um, who are these people? They're the guests, right? Mm-hmm. They're the, the friends of the wizard who yeah. she sent the invitations she to. Out in, she didn't send the invitations to her family, right? She there. sent them a different invitation. That's right. <laughs> they had a different and, message. And the line there is, but when he and his guests had all gone into the house, the brothers and kinsmen of the bride, kinsmen of the bride, mm-hmm. who had been sent to rescue her, arrived. So they right. were sent to rescue her. But she's already out of the house. Mm-hmm. Oh, but they yeah. s- they were sent the message. So, you know, the message is, here I am, come and help me, but, right? But they're not rescuers as much as Avengers, right? Yes. We're right. going to get revenge. And so not only do they kill the wizard, who we understand, you know, uh, he probably deserves to be punished. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we, uh, we see all his crew, which I think is a great term. <laughs> yes. All his folk... Uh, yes. All his people, all his hangers-on, all his friends, anybody who would be friends with a guy like this, yeah. burn him. Lock well, him know, in the house, lock yeah. him in the mansion and burn him. That is some hardcore storytelling, my friends. That is really hardcore. It, no one's doing this again. But, you know, like if for him to look up at a skull and and not be able to differentiate a mm-hmm. skull from his bride that shows his mindset and but all his friends also looked up and couldn't tell a skull from uh, from a bride either so it means they're as bad as he is <laughs> they they also couldn't tell that a lady who was covered in honey and and uh, feathers from a feather bed yeah, but <laughs> wasn't that's a magic. duck that's she magic that's like a wonderful bird <laughs> 
And that, I that, know that one of the names of the story is Fowler's Fowl. F O W L. Yeah, so Fitcher's yeah. Bird. That kind of makes the egg and the you know bird totally. from the feather bed and everything kind of hang together a little bit more. I think one variation I also read um, was that sh- she wears this white uh, apron. I know we had an apron in our last uh, Brothers Grimm story mm-hmm. um, with the young Gretel, but a white apron. And when she goes into the room, she falls to her knees. And the instead of it being oh. on on the blood on the on the egg, which is kind of oh. magic blood, right? In the sense that right. it can never be washed off. Every time you wash it off, it comes back. This is uh, makes me almost think it's also a virginity test or something, right? Hmm. Uh, because the egg is, you know, symbolic of uh, fertilization and all that, and it's almost like he's testing her loyalty in a, in a will. If I tell her what to do and she always obeys, then that means uh, all the bi- this. I mean, this is really a concern. Seems to be the concern of men, right? Which is, is this child going to be mine? And the concern of women is, is will he be able to support my child? Mm. The women, uh, especially in a lot of other Philip K. Dick stories, and I know I'm always bringing it back to Philip <laughs> K. Dick, um, a lot of the a lot of the stories revolve around the idea of women want one thing and men want another thing. Women want to have uh, a, a good support for their children, but they also want to have um, a man who is sexy. So th- I was thinking about like. I asked this to my students yesterday. So why would anyone marry Donald Trump? Right? <laughs> we know he's very rich. He tells us all the time. Um, he has gold fixtures. He's kind of like an evil wizard in a certain sense. Right? <laughs> um, because he manages to trick women who apparently don't like him very much into marrying him. Right? Um, he ends up getting what he wants, presuming that his children are his children. Right? Um, and having attractive wives on his arm, whether they'll touch him or not, right? Or hold his hand coming down whatever flights of stairs it is. The important part is women seem to want to make sure that their that their children are going to be well supported. And the, the magic in the story at the beginning comes from this beggar somehow tricking women into coming along with him. When they get there, it turns out that, oh, he's wealthy, right? My ch- child will be well-supported. Mm-hmm. But for the wizard, uh, he wants loyalty in the sense that yeah, we can't let her... I'm going to give her the keys to my house, but what if she lets in someone who's not uh, me? Then that baby could be me. I, I'm on the road all the time finding women to... You know, he's always leaving the house, right? So this idea of of uh, there's something looking at it from the the girl's perspective is different from looking at, it at the man's perspective. They both seem to get what they want, but who is this story for? I don't think it's for the wizard at all. I think it's always for the young girl and what what to do mm-hmm. uh, in that kind of situation. But it's it's the lesson is is you should be smart. Not yeah. just loyal, right? Because loyalty uh, is going to end up with you married to a monster, and yeah. and maybe burned to death in a house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, he might be all for... up, up, up to all sorts of other things besides. I mean, he's obviously a bad guy. Yeah. Or a bad hombre, I should say. I like when it says he begged for a little food and when the eldest daughter came out and was giving him a piece, he did but touch her and she was forced to jump into his basket. And I'm like, well, of course, from that point of view, it's there's always the charismatic guy who you don't look past the surface Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you just go along with him. And, you know, that thing about why would anybody be with Donald Trump? And I was like, any woman you say this to, I feel like, who understands certain people go, oh, it's the money. Right. Absolutely the money and, yeah. and you, know. you know he's famous too and that that doesn't well, hurt yeah yeah and some people like that but the money brings all that stuff right. um yeah I, anyway I, it's a lot to do with you telling them it's easy to give in to thoughtless negative impulses like going into the room or hanging around with this evil crazy person with right. bad hair but the egg 
Um, like, if I you don't remember that in the story, did it say <laughs> he has that <laughs> egg? Which is like, did it say anything about tiny hands for this woman? <laughs> but so she's got this egg, which is like, which is new beginnings, cycle of life, birth. So what I I saw was like, he, he she's got this egg. Your new life is inside this egg, oh. but you're gonna have to break out of it to live it. Like you cannot oh. follow the rules of this of this tyrant like your sisters and who would have, you know, that's what I saw. Interesting. Because then when she's rolling herself in honey and turning into a strange, new, wonderful bird, that's she's right. done that. She's, she's had that. that egg. Yeah. yeah. Reserve this egg carefully for me and carry it continually about with thee for mm-hmm. a great misfortune would arise from the loss of it. Notice the language is very, um, the way it's told, it's, it's very like God talking, right? It's straight yeah. out of the King James Bible. In yeah, very formal. Yeah. In which case, thee and thou are forms of you that you only use to someone who's very close to you, who you love a lot. Mm-hmm. You notice if you pick up a King James Bible, that's mm-hmm. not, thee and thou aren't used all the time. Um, it's usually to amazing. God or, yeah, to Jesus. That's, you know, indicating that. Uh, it's not in uh, the version I think you guys have, uh, has. I put an Arthur Rackham illustration at the beginning um mine maybe my pen just doesn't have it uh on the first page it says at last he met the bridegroom who was coming slowly back Mm. and it has her uh covered in feathers big smile on her face and the wizard you know dressed in a finery not carrying his um his basket it's uh it's interesting that there's another depiction. If you look at the Wikipedia entry, uh, I saw that one. I really like that picture. The huge backpack he's got on. He's got this giant basket on his on his back, and there's the two girls peeking out of it. Uh, he's got the pointed <laughs> toes. He's got the, he almost looks like he's a sort of a Jewish caricature uh, <laughs> with glasses, big nose, big beard, right? And then in the castle in the background, we can't quite see the. Uh, the skull in the window but maybe just the idea of of him being tricked into carrying this back and then on on the return journey he keeps trying to rest as opposed to uh you know he's having it all turned around on him right the Mm -hmm. girl says take this immediately to my family and he seems to have to obey and then Every time he tries to rest, because his backpack is filled with two girls and gold, <laughs> it's very cool. Um, he has to. He has to. I'm looking through my little window, and I see that thou art resting. Wilt thou go on at once? Apparently, his hearing is is really, you know, mono. He 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 thinks any sound comes from immediately way back behind him instead of right on his back. I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I do love that I was really surprised that he actually got so tired. You know, you think of somebody who's a wizard as having superhuman strength and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And he could just do some spells. That was it. Or, you know, have his charisma to his jump power, into the basket. Though, I think he I think he doesn't right. know he's lost his power, but he definitely has right. lost his power. Yeah. His plan has obviously gone off the rails, um, at least as far as actuality, whether he knows it or not. Mm-hmm. Right. This reminded me a little bit of Cinderella. Um, so. In that there are three sisters. Yep. Two, there's the two evil sisters in Cinderella and the good one. But then, like the the two the two evil ones are want will do anything to get into the palace, right? Right. They they will cut off pieces of their feet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this one, the people are being cut up. Right. Uh, they so the same as the two sisters. You're right about that. You know. Um, yeah, and she doesn't want anything to do with this with this house. They burn it down. She doesn't want anything to do with it. Yeah, so- you know what? This is a much more empowering and interesting story, I think, than Cinderella. Yeah, but in terms of like the the archetypes, the the you know the yeah. characters and the three, mm-hmm. there's similarities. The the wizard the wizard in in that case is uh, Prince Charming, right? The guy doesn't even have a name. He's just a charming prince. <laughs> right. The important so. part is that he has a title and a castle and money. <laughs> And here he's incredibly charming at the front door, and then you find out he's got money. But he's a monster. He cuts up people who don't follow his uh, his exact f- standards. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and her idea is like she's not even a human anymore, right? I'm not sure she's even headed home. You think she's going to fly off to freedom and I think land? I think she's broken out of the mold of you have to be. <laughs> All together. Uh, yeah, she's like, I'm I'm headed to New York. <laughs> Until it rains and the honey all washes away and then she's oh. back. It's a good point. It's a good point. Um, well, I just, because they didn't mention magic. They just, it was good enough to fool all these other people. Yeah. Which I also thought was interesting, you know, as we were saying that. Maybe they all had poor eyesight because that's kind of what I attributed. <laughs> and poor the, hearing too. The skull, yeah, the skull mis uh, misapprehension too of them looking up and going, "Oh, hey, hi, hun." I just thought, wow, well, when he was on the road, there, I thought, you know? well, that tower is so far away, you can't really see, you know. There was a famine on the land as well. And then when they got closer, <laughs> I just thought it must be a very tall castle, and they have bad eyesight. Yeah. That's hmm. I did. It's funny. I didn't even really think about it till you guys are talking. I'm like, yeah, I didn't analyze it. I just kind of my brain went, wow, it must be a really tall tower. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm making I'm work making the story work. There there has to be magic though because the 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 girls get put back together and then they come back to oh, life. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right? I'm mean, not saying there is not happened recently. As far no, as I, I know. Um, and he is a wizard, so whether they were cut up magically or no, that didn't. I think they said there was an axe in there. There was oh, an yeah. axe. Yeah. He's not. He's not playing. And then, why is he he's cutting working. them up too? Yeah, well, he's not eating them. I was wondering that too. Why is he doing that? He's yeah, like, why aren't they all just lying there on slabs or on the floor or something? You know, why the, is he cutting them up? It's one of very the descriptions gruesome. on the Wikipedia entry uh, is the way I put it as well. Is he's actually a serial killer, right? Mm-hmm. It's. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the best explanation why he's he's, he's maybe he's going to bury them and he's or he's going to mail off body parts or whatever it is. He's a serial killer and he mm. has some sort of standard that. Um, uh, it, it's almost like imagine he's a uh, Dexter, right? And Dexter wants to get married. If you've seen that show, mm-hmm. uh, Dexter wants to get married. He needs to find a wife who's going to be good with not going in a certain room in his house because he's always cutting people up. He wants Oops. to get married. He wants to have a life. Um, that might actually explain a little better what's going on there. He's a monster in the sense that he goes around the country killing people. And whenever a, a Whenever the whenever he when he's getting a wife, he doesn't want to kill them as much as he wants to make sure that she's not going to go into his business. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of a lot of my students are from Asia, and they don't have these stories in their background. So I'm often telling them, oh. you know, to explain this is a variation on Hansel and Gretel or whatever it is, um, or at Cinderella and. The, they only know Disney if they know anything about right. sort of the Grimm's fairy tales. So when I'm I'm telling them these uh, stories, I have to give them the, that kind of background, and it it's very interesting trying to explain why people are acting certain ways or why these conventions come up. Hmm. I don't know what to make of of some of these stories, but the the serial killer concept is. Um, it's not normally something we project backwards. Yeah, I was thinking. I would never think about a serial killer. What? What was this in the, that long ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the 1850s mm-hmm. or whatever. Except for 30s. Jack the Ripper, I guess. Yeah, but that's even that's near the end of the 19th century, right? Right. I, they must have existed. Sure, and it was in a sense easier, um, but in a sense harder because small towns, you'd have to travel a lot. You'd have to. But you could then. You weren't as traceable. I mean, even the modern ones have been able to get away with stuff. What you made me think of is that movie Split. M. Night Shyamalan's movie about yeah. it's um it's I haven't seen it and I didn't want to see it. It's I can't remember. Is it James McAvoy plays this a oh, guy who's got multiple personalities, and so it's like it's like the dream role for any actor. What I get to play twelve different people right. in one at once. Woohoo! And he basically kidnaps two or three comely young women and traps them in his house, and they're trying to find their way out. And it just looks like a nightmare to me. Mm-hmm. But my daughter and son-in-law recently were saying 
how much they liked it and how mm. they thought we should all watch it together because mm. that's the kind of family we are. <laughs> uh, because they were like, you know, it's not in there for the gore. You know, there's jump scenes and things like this, but not too many. But he's in it for what are the reasons behind it? What are the things you don't expect to find? And that's when I kind of got more interested in thinking about this story. It's basically, it's just the modern tariff, you know, making it more modern. It's the same story. Yeah, it it probably is derived from it because it it is three, a man kidnaps three girls, right? Right. Right, exactly. That's what made me think of it. Um, And yeah, and although they're, I think, all alive in the trailer I saw, they're all alive, but they're having to work together. Who's the strong one? All this kind of thing. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and if it's, it follows the normal conventions of a slasher movie, right, there is always one survivor. It's kind of interesting that right. now that I think about it that way. Um, oftentimes in such movies, like I'm thinking of the movie The Descent, if you guys have seen that one, Mm-mm. that's a really yeah, terrific movie about some women who go uh, spelunking. And they oh. find there's some underground chuds, you know, uh, or I guess all chuds are underground chuds. <laughs> <laughs> cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers you okay know? got it um okay. who are in this cave system and they're they're albino because they've been in there for generations or whatever oh. um and the one of them ends up in a falls into what we think is water comes out and covered in blood right oh. and she's when when she escapes and everybody else has been chopped up or eaten or whatever She's trans. The idea is she's been transformed. She's she no had longer. A rebirth. Yeah, she's no and yeah, literally coming out covered in blood. Right, no longer is she, uh, you know, weak in a certain sense. She's powerful. Mm. She's been tested. Her metal's been tested, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is a this is a very powerful story for for. Uh, uh, I guess young women don't just marry any old prince. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I'll make sure he, uh, you know, uh, and this is another thing that I think is common for kids is when I was a kid and if, if you brought me over to your house and uh, I was a kid and you, you know, brought me over to your house and I was there for, I don't know, whatever amount of time, a, a decent amount of time, I would explore every part of your house. You know, there's no there's no such thing as privacy when really? I was, and, and I see I've I've got one student who's like that now. I rescind my any time any hour <laughs> invitation. Um, oh. I'm, we're busy that day. That was when I, I was a kid, oh. Julie. Now I'm very sensitive <laughs> All right, to such that's things. That's fine then. <laughs> but I think that there, there's something to this that um you know you knowledge is power. And if you know what's going on, you know what they're interested in, you know what they're, they're you know, you find a room full of cut up body parts, uh, it, you know, that's powerful and useful to you. This is why I think, you know, Curiosity Killed the Cat story is uh-huh. is such a, a real thing is because you're foolish if you don't go in and explore all those nooks and crannies when you've got a unequal power dynamic, right? Yeah. Also, Some, just people are curious. And how do you use your curiosity? I think you know? uh, some some first ladies would probably have benefited from exploring a little <laughs> bit more about their husband's house. Oh, so many. And we don't even have to go into that. Um, That's right. <laughs> the, I mean, way past, past right now, I would say. Um, but I was thinking uh, just to go back to your The Descent or whatever it mm-hmm. was with the people underground – and see, that's where people are taking other ideas and modernizing them again. Because I was going, there is some author whose stories I've read, who I think H.P. Lovecraft enjoyed his work. And I'm like, oh, Clark Ashton Smith. Have mm-hmm. you read any of his mm-hmm. stuff? Yeah, I like his stuff. Yeah. and He's his, really And I was like, oh, that's the modernization of that kind of a concept. Mm. Although people don't necessarily come out of it stronger. But there's always horrible little pale albino people from under <laughs> hills that are doing things, you know, coming out and doing stuff. I want to read that one. I haven't read that one. Sounds I'll good. have to find it. It might be called The White People or something. Uh, that's Mackin, I believe. Uh, Arthur Mackin. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of him. Maybe or I'm Machen, thinking of maybe Mackin. I might have the yeah. wrong name because I have read all these people. but mm-hmm. That sounds good. Okay. But you're right. I think that's – I'm thinking of Arthur Mackin. Sorry, never mind. But Clark Ashton right. Smith's also good. He is. So, anyway. 
Since thou hast gone into my room, into the room against my will, said he, thou shalt go back into the it against thine own. Thy <sighs> life is ended. Right. He threw her down, dragged her there by her hair, cut her head off on the block, and chopped <laughs> her in pieces so that her blood ran on the ground. Wow. Then he threw her into the basin with the rest. Yeah. The with the rest is like, what? <laughs> now I will fetch myself the second, said the wizard. And again he went into the house in the shape of a poor man and begged. And the second daughter brought him in a piece of bread. He caught her like the first by simply touching her and carried her away. She did not fare better than her sister. She allowed herself to be led away into the, by her curiosity, opened the door of the bloody chamber, looked in, had to atone for it with her life on the wizard's return. Then he went and bought the third sister. So the second sister is completely dispensed mm-hmm, in just one, line. one Cur- sentence, basically. Yeah, led away by her curiosity. We know what's going on. We don't have to go through it again. But it has to happen three times for the magic to work, right? Always three. Yeah. Always three. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the other thing I always teach my students is it's always three. Yeah, it's always three. The magic works in threes. Mm-hmm. The three sisters, the 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 three uh, journeys, right? The three little pigs, the yeah. <laughs> three bears, yeah. It's all three. And it and there's always a variation on the last one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the best one, the one I teach most often because I can do it by <coughs> memory without forgetting any of the parts usually, is. Um, Goldilocks. Because yes, Goldilocks. It's right. three sets of three, right? Mm-hmm. The three stools, the three bowls, the three beds. And then you get it again with the three bears coming back and seeing the three stools and the three bear, uh, the three uh, bowls and the oh, three the beds. Oh, the chairs. The comfortable chairs. Isn't yeah, it? or stools, depending on which version it is. Okay, I've never the important part is somebody's yeah. been sitting on my stool. Mm-hmm. Somebody's been yeah. sitting on my stool. Somebody's yeah. been sitting on my stool and it's knocked over. Right? So, so you know it's always, always a variation. Tell. Right? Yeah. Um, it's always a variation on the third. And then the last one is the best one. Mm-hmm. Right? Somebody's been sleeping in my bed. Somebody's been sleeping in my bed. Somebody's yeah. been sleeping in my bed and there she is. <laughs> She's still there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, that story, I don't know what the meaning is behind it. I don't know what lesson it teaches, other than maybe it's the the Earth story that teaches you how all of such stories need to work. Maybe because when she gets away from it, the bears have their home invaded, um, and nothing, nothing. She even manages to race all the way home, even though her mom said, you know, don't leave the yard. Your breakfast is going to be ready soon, or whatever it was. So what what that story means, uh, it's incredibly strange this one i think i got a good handle on now yes nothing um it reminded me also a little bit of lady macbeth in that certainly yeah like the the guilt of 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 actually defying him she they couldn't clean the egg like like lady macbeth whereas the other sister didn't even take the egg in there so she had no nothing to feel guilty about like he has them under that much power that she was smart and disobedient from the beginning, <laughs> and they yeah. were not. They call that gaslighting, right? When you yeah, yeah, you know, they were already gaslit before yeah. he gave them the key. And the girl and the third sister is like, uh, 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 you can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me how to think about what I'm seeing. Exactly, and that yeah, that's yeah. And that's she's it. the one who survives it, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Something makes me want to watch that movie again now. <laughs> I think the moral of all of these is it's best to be third born. <laughs> I'm I'm ruined. <laughs> I'm ruined too. Right along. <laughs> this has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. appreciate you uh, reading them for us, too. It was very effective to have a mommy sound voice reading. 
bedtime story. <laughs> thank you very much, Jesse. And if you're very good, I'll do some others for you sometime. Uh, uh, thank you. I, you still haven't tucked me in, and I haven't got any cookies. So well, it's, I hope you, you get you know, on we that. Didn't, we didn't talk about why, what does, why f- this whole Flitcher bird? Flitcher's bird? Like, yeah, what is, I didn't understand. I don't, I don't know. It's what is, what was that? It's, I, I don't know if anybody knows, because I, I looked into it, and I I couldn't really... I mean, all I know is that birds come from eggs. Yeah, maybe but everybody said your Flitcher's... Oh, it's Flitcher's egg. Oh, Flitcher's, like, bird. Flitcher's bird. Well, maybe, maybe it's one of those things that was so well-known that no one felt like you had to write it down. We were awesome. just talking last night about how we all know the ABC song, but nobody writes it down or talks about it. We just teach it to the kids and move on. I mean, you know, that kind of thing. So Last so night, been, I was talking about that exact same thing. Really? I was Rose talking, brought it up. I was yeah. not talking about the song as much as, why is it in that order? Why oh. is A, B, C, D, E, F, like I get alphabet, that's A and oh, B. Oh, the, the Greeks, who yeah. knows, so those crazy X Greeks. X and Y and Z, right, Y and Z are later editions, that's why they're at the end. But why does it, why is that the, why is that the normal order? And the answer I come up with is, I don't know, but um, there was a story <laughs> on Twitter, I think I retweeted, somebody said, that was kind of interesting. It said uh, some phrases have to, like ding dong, the the I always has to come before the O. Oh, and, just sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, and if you try and like <laughs> dong ding, <laughs> sounds no, wrong. No, thank you. Right? I, yeah. Bing bong is always it's not yeah. bong bing, and so I becomes before O, right? Bang bing bong. Ding, dang, ding, dong, right? Those are okay. So that might be the reason that they're in that order, at least some of them. No. Because it naturally makes more sense to us somehow. Yeah, just just the way that we put sounds together, it works better for us somehow. Yeah. Why Hmm. not? I like that. Exactly. That's it. Let's say that's it. Let's say that. that that's it. Let's say it. We came in. So, you, so you think that that this was something well known, whatever, two hundred years ago that we've just lost? I think that that must be the case. Yeah, I just feel like if they all sang "Oh Fitcher's Bird," whatever, and it's like I can't think of something that we would sing, you know. But it's something where it's so well known. Why would you write it down? And it's so inconsequential. Yeah. Why would you write it? Those are the things that don't get written down that, you know, 5,000 years later, archaeologists are going, I don't understand this, don't but understand. here it is again. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was not mysterious at all. It was like a common phrase or whatever. Yeah, and it wasn't, yeah. Like birdie, like birdie bird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. Because that's maybe. literally what it means, right, is birdie bird. Is it? I think so, because well, a fincher is a fowl. A fowl is a yeah. Oh, Fowler's, Fowler's foul. So it's like, what does that mean? Oh, yeah, because what's the name of the, yeah, the person who would take care of the king's hawks and falconer's falcon. Right. It's like saying that, right. you know, maybe. Yeah, something like that. I see. It, it came down to what's uh, as, as it is, but part of it's a completely oblique. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, it was just custom or, you know, the words and not any meaning. 